Let's, let's start with a word of prayer together. Kind and gracious Heavenly Father, it is just a thrill to get together and meet more people at this conference. It's great to be here and it's good to be able to talk about some of the amazing foods that you have created and these diversity of plants is just so incredible. Bless each one here as we uh, think about home gardening or commercial farming or whatever use we have for asparagus, but most of all, we surely want to enjoy it, maybe help others enjoy it, and learn more about your handiwork. Bless us now through your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're sitting over here, I don't want to block you. Can you see past me? I gotta be close enough to this thing to advance the slides, I guess. And I, go, I suppose the first important thing to mention is that I grow asparagus in Minnesota. Now, that might be pretty different than growing asparagus in other areas. So, I actually brought along something I just printed off the web, you know, and it was for the University of Minnesota. They have, uh, from the University of Minnesota Extension, they have a asparagus production guide and I think that probably in your state or a state near you there's probably one also on growing asparagus because asparagus is really a, a diverse crop that can be grown in a wide variety of situations and that may be something that's available to you in your area so you might want to try looking for that because uh, I'll be kind of telling how we do it in Minnesota, but again, could be a little different where you live. Uh, why grow asparagus? Well, asparagus is the, one of the first vegetables of the spring, and that's what I like. We, have, we like to focus on the first fruit of the spring, strawberries, and then before that is the first vegetable of the spring is asparagus. So. You know, Minnesotans get kind of crazy in spring because they're excited to get outside. And so uh, they really are excited to buy fresh things in the spring. You, you know what our ground is like in Minnesota right now? It's like concrete down two feet. And I do have some handouts here too. Uh, and so the ground is just frozen absolutely solid. And you might wonder, how can those plants stay alive? And I'll, I'll go through what we do to keep them alive in the talk here. But asparagus can be, is most successful growing where temperatures or drought, one or the other, temperatures or drought, stops plants from growing one time every year and gives them a rest. If you don't have that, asparagus won't be as successful, but it likes that dormancy time every year to rest. And, but it can grow in a variety of temperatures, you know, where we get our in Minnesota, you can grow asparagus, you know, it can get down to 40 degrees below zero. And usually I expect in Minnesota will be at least three times down 20 below in a winter, and it can grow in, in California in 115 degrees. So it really can handle a lot of variety of growing situations. It prefers fertile, well-drained soils in a moist, temperate area. I'll repeat that. It prefers fertile, well-drained soils in a moist, temperate area. Now. Where I'm living, I've got clay loam soil. It's very heavy. On my farm, if you dig down 12 inches, you'll be in almost solid clay. And so we planted our asparagus about probably eight to 10 inches deep, so just about down to that clay. And it seems to be growing well because those roots will go down five feet, six feet down and it's just amazing how big of a root structure that asparagus plant can have. 
And uh, let's see. One thing about asparagus, I was just talking to Chris back here, and asparagus doesn't like wet feet. In other words, you don't want to plant asparagus in a low spot where it's just going to be wet all the time. It will drown out. You want it, where I am, I have about a 2% slope on my field of asparagus. I think that's a great plenty. I wouldn't want it to be 4 or 5%, you know, but a little bit of slope is good because you're getting that water drained off of there. But I wouldn't plant it in a low spot. Last year was year six since we originally planted this last spring. So we've picked, well, we've picked five years. And just to give you an idea, we, we sold 9,000 pounds of asparagus off those two acres. And that was down 20% compared to the year before when we had a lot of rain. But with the drought, we were down about 20%. And we sold uh, those 9,000 pounds for uh, about $28,000 this year. That's what we did on our farm. And for me, I sell 15% to people that come to our farm and buy it. It's not the same as strawberries. You know, people are anxious to come out and pick strawberries. We don't let people pick asparagus. We pick it ourselves but they don't come in droves like they do with strawberries. But we sell about 15% of that to people just on the farm, and then 85% to stores. And it's interesting, I, I should get to this more when I get to the marketing part of it at the end, but this is just to give you an overall, what you might expect. Uh, I've gone to some grocery stores, a number of them, where they just really aren't very interested. But we have one chain in our area called High V Store, and uh, they, the produce manager has full authority to buy local produce and put it on their shelves, and those have been very good for us. I sell almost exclusively to that store, and plus another health store in the area, health food store. And so I averaged this year just over $3 a pound. That's a very good price for asparagus. Normally, I'm averaging probably 260 to 280, but I think it was because of the COVID year, all the stores had a real strong demand uh, for fresh produce, and they wanted it, and people wanted it, and so they charged a little bit more, and I was able to get a little bit higher price. So I figure that on my two acres, I should show by the time I hire people to help me pick and deliver and whatever else I need to do, that I should have over that five to six week picking period, that's what it is, you can pick for about five to six weeks, I expect, you know, a $10,000 profit. And I, uh, it could be more if I did even more of the work, but two acres is a lot of work. <laughs> so, and uh, so I was just talking to someone here that wanted to produce some asparagus for their uh, CSA, or you might want it only for your own garden. In fact, how many here are just wanting, thinking about asparagus for their home garden? A lot of you, okay. So you can kind of scale that down to think about how much you want. I was figuring that I probably get about a half a pound for every crown that I planted. So you know, that'll help you decide, because originally we planted, I think it was about 25,000 plants, and some of those died out right away, but now I'm getting, I think I have potential to harvest about 12,000 pounds off that, so, so again, about half a pound per plant. My disclaimer is that I, I made a lot of mistakes, and I probably won't mention quite so many of those. Try to just focus on the things that went right. But one thing I did do, and if you did want to do commercial, how many are interested in commercial asparagus production? Okay, there's several of you. Find somebody that's in your area that's doing it already. Go to them, see what they're doing, and find out what's successful. 
because for sure, asparagus is probably good for 15 to 20 years. So if you plant it wrong, <laughs> you gotta live with it for a long time. And so you wanna do it right for your area the first time. And asparagus is one of these, I can hardly pronounce, let's see, it's dioecious plants that have both male and female plants. And I don't like to be discriminatory, but I only plant male plants. And that's what most asparagus people are doing. Why? Why do you discriminate against the ladies? Well, the male plants produce more spears per, per crown. And uh, they're also more, a little more uniform. And uh, the other thing is that the female plants are gonna produce seed every year. And for us, I don't want to, I fight weeds enough, I don't need those seeds to be seeding my whole field down. I have them in rows where I want them, and I don't want to have my plants producing that many more plants. I've got out there what I want, and I don't need to be planting all this asparagus, because when it's way in between the rows, it's weeds to me. So. So that's, again, most commercial growers and I think gardeners are gonna be planting the, the male plants. Some of the old varieties are Mary and Martha Washington are more susceptible to disease, although certainly they're still viable, you can get them, and they produce great asparagus. Another set of them that is popular are the Jersey Giants, and they were produced in New Jersey originally, and so there's several of these varieties that are called Jersey varieties, and they produce a little thicker stem than the group of the variety that I plant. Uh, I plant all Millennium. Millennium variety, they produce, that's the best producer per crown. And that's what a lot of uh, commercial growers grow. But it won't give you those thick stems. If you like those nice fat, stems, then you might want to go with the Jersey ones because uh, these millenniums are going to have more uniform and thinner stems for each uh, plant. You can get an idea of what they look like right here. Uh, you can see that they're just really quite consistent. Whereas you get some of the other varieties, you'll get a real fat one and then a skinny one. And in the store that just doesn't look as good. They just don't look as good. And these are also very resistant to disease. Again, the Washington varieties are not so resistant to, resistant to diseases. Uh, when I first started, I, I suppose I should have jumped in a little at a time, but we planted 14,000 crowns the first year and 11,000 seeds. That was 2014. I thought we'd die doing that. It was a, really a lot of work because there in Minnesota, again, we're planting down eight to 10 inches deep and uh, 12 inches apart and then four feet between rows. So every four feet, another row and 12 inches between the crowns down eight to 10 inches. Why so deep? Well. Again, I live in Minnesota. If you don't plant them deep, they're gonna freeze out. And I've seen asparagus freeze out. Not in my fields, but when I was growing up, we had eight to 10 inches. But again, check for your area. So you can see the trenches that year. Uh, it was quite a job. I had some young people helping me, and I was sure glad they were there. I don't know if they always were, but it was, you, can, you probably can't really see very well. No, you wouldn't. But in the open trench there, about two-thirds of the way over on the screen, there are little crowns, and you always want to put the crowns up. You know, they're going to be growing crowns up and the roots down when you buy a crown. And so I used a, a tractor with a furrower attachment on the back of it, and then I would just drive down the, the row 
kind of digging up that furrow as I went, and then we came along with shovels, as you see the kids in the picture here, and they would take the extra dirt out of there so we could get the asparagus crowns in at a nice, even level across the field. I had, a, I think, a stick in the row or something so that they could put them uh, 12 inches apart, and it really went quite well for us. Oh, and then as we were planting, I'd put them down in the bottom of that trench, and then we would cover them with about two inches of topsoil, rake it in from the sides, so they have about two inches. Now, what's going to happen is they're going to grow up through those two inches, and as they continue to grow and start to put out their ferns, you're going to continue to cover them up until the ground, the whole field is level. So you just let them grow up through there, then start to rake the dirt on until basically the whole field is level. And let's see. Yeah, just more pictures of getting the asparagus into the ground. The interesting thing is, as I said, you know, when I planted, I can remember my wife saying, well, the crowns are 40 cents each. I don't know exactly what they are now. I could have looked it up, but that's what they were in 2014. And I bought my crowns from Norse Farms in Massachusetts, was where N-O-U-R-S-E, Norse. And anyway, she said the crowns are 40 cents, but we can get seeds for 10 cents. Why not just buy the seeds? Well, that made a lot of sense, and so that's why we ended up planting 11,000 seeds also. And, but the catch is, really a year later, you have to dig all those up and replant them down deep. Because when we first planted those seeds, we planted on rows of 12 inches apart, and down two inches, and then spaced four inches apart. Okay, let me review that again. I think I had my, or maybe it was two foot between rows. Maybe it was two foot. Anyway, uh, and then four inches between seeds and the seeds down about two inches. I bought those seeds from a place called Stokes Seeds and not so many places had Millennium Seed. But then that next year, after just one year, I was really shocked when I started to dig up those crowns, and you'll see what those crowns looked like after just one year in the ground. I mean, they were full of roots, and they looked beautiful. To be honest, they looked better than the crowns I bought. And so uh, some were bigger than others, of course, but you'll see those spears already coming up as we were digging them up that spring and transplanting them into the the beds that were 12 inches apart, down 8 to 10 inches. We had to redo all those and get them down where they needed to be. So in the end, we had 25,000. But it was nice big roots to transplant, and I was very, very pleased. And I guess overall, I had another asparagus farmer. Luke Fisher is uh, the more professional farmer than me. He has lots of acres of asparagus. And uh, he plants five feet apart. So there's a trade-off there, and I'll be coming to that in a little bit. It basically gets down to how much shade and how many weeds are you having to deal with. So you can weigh it yourself as to whether you want to invest a little more up front or if you want to try the seeds. And after all that work, this is what you end up with, the asparagus when it's coming up. I should have mentioned one other thing in the planting. It's good to think about, uh, when, the reason I was glad I went with four feet, I planted a few rows 40 inches and they're just too close. Because those plants are growing out, those roots are growing together every year and those plants are just a little too close to the center of the row. They're going to grow almost together over the life of the plant, and they're growing far down. And so 
Four feet works pretty good for us, but it also provides, you'll see in a few in a pictures ahead here, that as the ferns grow up to about four or five feet tall, that will almost shade out most of the weeds, or almost all of them. And so that really gives you a lot of protection. For those of you who, have, who are growing asparagus, how many of you have trouble controlling weeds? I mean, it's really a problem, isn't it? It's just really difficult to keep an asparagus bed weeded. So I like it that that shades out the, the weeds. And another consideration is that if you plant them, the, the first year or two we grew, I had a big problem with rust. That's a disease I'll be talking about a little later on, but if you plant so that the rows are going the same direction as your prevailing wind, approximately, then that wind will go down those rows and that will help keep disease out of your asparagus. So that's just another consideration, something to think about. I planted mine just the opposite, <laughs> the wrong way, and uh, it's turning out okay, but I think it probably helps mine to have a little bit more disease problem because the wind doesn't go down my rows. In fact, at four feet apart, it's so thick that I am not able to really walk down a row in the middle of the summer. It's just about impossible. It's too thick. Okay, and as we were putting those crowns in the ground, remember I said we put two inches of dirt on there? We raked that back onto those crowns. We did something else, and I didn't read this in much in books, but it just made sense to us. And we had a local farmer that has cows, and he had some piles of manure out in the back 40, and that had been out there for a couple of years, and we said, could you bring your manure spreader and spread all the way through our field? And we, we did uh, spreader load after spreader load after spreader load, and so on top of that two inches of dirt, I had two inches of manure. And again, I hadn't heard of that. I knew you could put some manure or fertilizer in there, but we raked that right into the furrows, but it was a lot of work. The interesting thing is that a couple years later when our, when our asparagus started to grow up, we had a, a small vegetable consultant that comes around and checks all the local farmers that grow strawberries mostly, was what his specialty was, but he came to our farm and looked at our asparagus and he said, I have never ever seen a stand of asparagus that looked this good this early on. This is the best asparagus I've ever seen. And so we were very honored to have him say such kind words about us, but it really, I think the credit maybe went to the, to the Lord and then that fertilizer we put down. And so also asparagus, when I plant it so deep, it's gotta work pretty hard to push through eight or 10 inches of dirt, and my dirt is heavy. And so having that manure there is kind of a softer uh, layer of stuff to get through, but it has been a blessing. In fact, now I get calls from people he's referred us to, and how did you do that again, planting your asparagus? So it's one thing that worked out well, praise the Lord. Um, now, when can you start picking? For some of the older varieties, you couldn't really pick until the third year. For us, we picked a little bit the very next year after planting the crowns, after two years after the seed ones. And then by the second year, we were picking, I think we picked four weeks. I think we picked two weeks the first year on Millennium, the second year we picked four weeks, and the next year after that we were up to a full five to six week picking period. So that was with the millennium. Okay. If you do plant the seeds, you might want to get some kind of a machine or something to dig them up. We used a shovel. And uh, that was, as I said, kind of backbreaking. <laughs> it's just 11,000 of them to dig up. Um, 
Let's go on. Oh, I was going to say that from our perspective, the ones we planted for seed and the ones we planted from the crowns have pretty similar production. When I talked to Luke, he was saying he thought the ones he planted seed actually produced better. But I don't know. I, it, the, you gain a whole year with the crowns. You put them in the ground, you cover them up, that's it. And then you're just one year faster towards getting your asparagus to pick. So, you know, that for a few cents each, you know, maybe that's the way to go. But eventually you get the asparagus coming up and this is about how it would look for you in the field or in your garden. And uh, it's amazing the strength that it has to push through the ground. Weeds are a big challenge for us. Uh, I can remember the very first year that we planted uh, and my wife and I were out there on our hands and knees going up. I have 77 rows of asparagus, about 300 feet each row. And we were trying to crawl through there and weed and you know it didn't, I'm not overly bright, but it didn't take us very long to figure out this just wasn't going to work. <laughs> And I can, I can still remember distinctly one day my son taking off with the family to go do something and Mary Beth and I stayed behind and, and were weeding in the asparagus field and, and we felt kind of persecuted about it. And anyway, <laughs> we just decided this, there's got to be another way. And I'm just going to be honest with you. For most commercial growers, they're just going to, uh, before the field starts producing in the spring, they're going to round up the field. And after they're done picking for the season, they might round up the whole field again after they cut everything down to the ground. And just wipe out the weeds, and then in the fall, they'd probably put a pre-emergence herbicide down. That's the conventional way of doing it. But we've been uh, blessed with the way we've been doing it. We haven't done that. And I won't say I've never spot sprayed for quackgrass or thistles here or there, but we've never put herbicide across our whole field. But weeds are a challenge. Uh, we were frustrated and finally we really developed our own program. And so the steps we take early in the spring, I leave the chaff, all the stalks, I leave them in the field over the winter. And there's a very good reason to do that. Otherwise, I could be mowing them off in the fall because they, those stalks could have some disease on them and I don't want that to carry over to another year. So I could mow them off in the fall, but by being in the field, it's gonna, every time that a snowstorm hits, there's gonna be snow drifts going through all those stalks and they hold the snow. That snow is a natural insulator and it's gonna protect my field, so I really want those asparagus spears out there to protect my crop from freezing out. And it works very well. Then in the spring, before production, as soon as it dries out enough to do this, in this picture here you'd see, uh, we, we go through with, uh, uh, I call it the flamethrower, but it's just a, you know, a flame weeder. And we just go through and burn the whole field off. So I want to burn up those uh, stalks that could have disease carried over from another year. So I'm going to burn those stalks off. And for us, that would be the time if we do some fertilizing. Uh, I do a soil test each year and then we put in what we need to to, to uh, feed our asparagus. Because when they produce that much, half a pound per crown every year, you know, eventually you're going to have to give them some food. And so here's our team out there. My son Keith and his family and my wife uh, putting some fertilizer on the field that we burned off. And then this is my son Andrew out there. So we're going to go through with a tiller, a five foot tiller, and we're going to till down one inch through the entire field, everything. Now this is before any spears are coming up because you don't want to do that. A friend of mine grew asparagus. He said they used to disc the field in the spring. But what they found was uh, that disc was a little too heavy and they were cutting the tops of the crowns with the disc. 
uh, blades. And so uh, we just till down about an inch and that's going to take out all the weeds that are getting started. Then uh, we're going to go ahead with our picking season. As the picking season wears on, we're going to get a lot of weeds coming. We just continue to pick through the season. By the end of the six-week season, the field is now nearly green, almost solid green with weeds. And so then I will cut everything about down to the ground and I'll do the same thing again. I'm just going to till through the whole field an inch, inch and a half down, tilling all those weeds up. And uh, finally, about a week later, maybe, maybe a week and a half, when those, are, those asparagus spears have grown up to about 18 inches, what you'll see here is I'm going through and cultivating with my tractor and cultivator right around each row. Now, my rows are getting a little wider every year, so this is going to be a continued challenge. And I'll have to spread those cultivators a little further apart. But you can see I'm getting pretty close to there, to those plants on each side. And that's taking out most of the weeds at that time. You want it to be dry when you do that, so those weeds, and you knock them over, they're going to die. And then, in another week and a half, all these asparagus spears are going to stand up and open up. And when they fern out, now they're producing shade. And that's my weed program after that. So I'll show you what shading out the weeds looks like. There they're getting, you still see my cultivator tracks in the field, but you can see they're filling in more and more. And so by tilling them and then cultivating, I'm getting the jump on the weeds. And there I am uh, a little later in the season, maybe midsummer in the stand of asparagus. You'll see, you know, I'm not a real tall guy, a little over five and a half feet, but you can see the asparagus is filled in and you can see where it's not so easy just to walk through the rows. It's really thick out there. Now, by late summer, here the confessions come. You know, by late summer, yeah, I've got especially foxtail. You know, I always thought foxtail could only go about a foot high, but not so. It grows to however high it needs to be to get up to the light. And so the foxtail is up there, you'll see it. And yet, I don't think it's that bad. The field isn't that bad, not that weedy. And so we're still pretty pleased with what we're doing for weed control for our asparagus. One thing I would recommend for you, I don't know how you're going to do it, whether you're going to till. I till about every three weeks or four weeks through the summer around the field. I guard the borders. I've learned my lesson the hard way. When you see quack starting to creep in from the ditch or another place or thistles, once that stuff gets in the middle of your asparagus field, I don't, it's very difficult to get it out. Very difficult. Because you're in there, even if you're hoeing, you're here hoeing right around asparagus and sometimes it's right in the row and you just can not get around those spears. Those spears are pretty tough. And so very, very difficult to get them out. So I do very much defend my borders. Okay, I think we'll move on to pests. This is really the main pest I have. It's called the asparagus beetle. You know, I got one on my side of my hand right here. Little spotted asparagus beetles. How many of you have seen these? Probably, for those of you who are growing asparagus, I know you have. I was amazed. I thought, where did they come from? You know, I didn't have asparagus there before. I planted two acres in the first year. All of a sudden, there was all kinds of them. <laughs> How did they know where I lived? Who gave out my address or what? You know, but there they were. And uh, I think that in our area, there was asparagus grown about 20, 30 years ago by commercial growers, uh, canning companies. 
And whether there could be anything still from them, I don't know, but it just seems like they were sure there waiting for me. And uh, I, you know, I, of course, commercial growers, many of them would just spray the field, kill everything. But we have gone to uh, another method, very scientific method called the squoosh method. And uh, we noticed that on a cold morning, every single one of those adult beetles that is now next spring, hatched out, grown up, and they're eating, they're going to be laying what? Eggs. That's right. And they lay kind of weird little eggs. They're little uh, needle-like things coming out from the, usually towards the top of the asparagus uh, spear. But on a real cold morning, they all crawl up and to the very tip of the asparagus spears. There they all are. <laughs> and they're very slow moving on a cold morning. And, not a, and, and slower than me. And so we just go through and, and squoosh every one of them. And so by doing that, I wipe out the whole first generation of the summer, and that really helps keep them at bay. And so they lose that first generation, and so far that's how we're keeping ahead of them. I think you could go through with somebody and just put them in a can or something of something that they don't like and do them in, but that's what we're doing, my squoosh method. And the black eggs, you know, if there are hardly any on the spear, we might just rub them off, but when, if they have laid a lot of them, that really is not marketable. And you could eat them, but probably just isn't that appetizing. Uh, the other problem that I do get is cutworms. I have not come up with any solution to them yet. They feed on one side of that asparagus spear down by the crown as it's coming up. And you can tell because when that crown or that spear comes out of the ground, I don't have a picture of it, but it'll curl right over. And it'll just kind of curl into a curling ball there and it's because the one side is injured and it favors the side that's injured so when it comes up it just curls it toward that injured side and I don't have a solution so far I guess I've just been sharing with them and but I I, I know that the commercial people would just spray and I don't want to do that so I, I just because they're under the ground I haven't figured out a way to get rid of them uh, Let's see, I guess we talked about, oh, I didn't talk very much about it, rust. I should have had a picture of rust, but I don't. I suppose it's just natural. I, I did the same thing with this, my strawberry talk. I think I just hate taking pictures of headaches and problems. So I, when we talked about the challenges, I really realized I just don't take pictures of those things. And rust, early on, we got it. And by mid-August, my whole field turned brown. And it was basically almost, the, the spears themselves and the ferns were almost dead by that time, early in the season. And we didn't know what to do. At that time, uh, in our farming, we just sprayed them. Sprayed for fungicide. Uh, I think we did two years. and. You know, since then, the Lord has just blessed because we decided we just don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to spray the plants. And so since then, we haven't had rust. It's just amazing. Even up until early and mid-October, our field is just as green as can be. And I just say it must be the Lord because I don't know how else that's possible. We had two years of the problem and we haven't had it since. So praise the Lord. And I really... You know, we always do everything we can do, right? And we also pray. I don't think you can say, Lord, I'm just going to pray and not do what I should be doing, my part, right? We got to do the part we can do. And so we do everything we know to do, and then we pray. And the Lord seems to take care of these other things as he knows our limitations. There is another disease called Fusarium wilt that will eventually go down and affect all of your roots. 
and that's pretty deadly to your crop. If you, the only way you'd know it is if you dig up some of the crowns and see what's happening down there. But if you get that, it's it's a pretty serious thing. And it usually comes from too much moisture. Too much moisture. Picture of my wife picking in the rain. Sometimes we pick on basically every day except Sabbath. And some days it's not so fun to pick. This particular day, uh, most of my help said, we don't feel like picking today. <laughs> so Mary Beth and I were out there, and I think after we got soaked to the skin the third time, we said, that's enough, let them grow, we'll pick them tomorrow. <laughs> and you might wonder, why would you pick every day? Well, those spears are growing every day, and we're trying to pick them at 10 inches. So every day, they get taller, and when they get a little over 10 inches, maybe 12 inches, they're going to start to open up. The heads are going to start to open up. Now for you home gardeners, not really a problem. They still taste great. But to market them in the store, as the heads are starting to open up, they're just not marketable. The stores don't want them. And so you can't let them get very high. And when it's hot, a hot day, that is a challenge. Because you really, we just, we just dread a hot Friday. Why? Because that asparagus is going to grow maybe eight inches that day, maybe more. And so we pick in the morning on Friday, but we know that the rest of that crop will never make it through Sabbath without opening up all the heads. And so we'll pick Friday afternoon, and you know we want to get everything done before sundown, but basically, you don't have time to process it. We just pick it, put it in pails, and throw it in the cooler. And then we'll have to process it Sunday morning. But then again, if it's hot on Sabbath, you might have to pick Saturday night because they'll never make it till Sunday morning before the heads open up. So that's our challenge. Like I said, we just dread a hot Friday or a hot Sabbath. Uh, so rain is always a challenge. You don't want them to be too wet. This is probably my more level part of the field, so it doesn't drain quite as well. And I did mention the snow insulation over winter. You can see how that snow cover really is benefited by all the stalks that were left in the field. But I did want to also mention hail. We probably get hailed out or frozen out if it gets frost down to 28 degrees, it'll affect the, the asparagus. So probably once a season, I either get hailed out or I get froze out. And because I'm uh, producing for stores, I call them immediately and say, you need to stock from somebody else for a couple days here because I'm not going to be able to produce or, or get you asparagus for maybe five days because it's going to have to come back from the ground up. Whatever is under the ground is going to be okay, but whatever is above the ground is not worth much. That's, uh, that's usually when we fill our freezer <laughs> when, uh, after a hail, because, you know, a freeze you can see coming. You know, you check the weather all the time. You're all farmers. I know, you're doing like me, checking the weather several times every day. <laughs> and you could tell when there's a freeze coming, but it's pretty hard to tell when there's a hail coming. And so... What happens is it hits one side, whatever is the, the uh, windy side, and all this, you might not even, because I've had times where I wasn't home, and I come home and I looked, and every single spear in the field is leaning towards the west, like a shepherd's rod. And you go out and check, and sure enough, got hailed from that direction, and it favors the wounded side. That side doesn't grow as well, so it leans and bends over that way. All the spears are bowing to the west. To the west. And uh, then those spears are really not very saleable. Uh, what's that? You could. Uh, like I said, that's when we stock our freezer. Because they taste just as well. And I suppose there isn't very much damage or chance of infection very quick, so if we pick them right away, they're just fine. 
And drought, if you're in a very dry area, you may need to be thinking about irrigation of some kind. If it's your garden, you might have to water it in a dry year. I don't have any irrigation for my asparagus. I do for uh, underground for my strawberries. But the reason we haven't is because when you irrigate a kind of crop that's already down eight inches to get the water down to those crowns, it's going to take a tremendous amount of water to soak that ground up. And so we just let the Lord take care of that. So I haven't irrigated, but you could consider that. But our area gets pretty consistent rainfall. And again, that's what our asparagus looks like when, you know, a crate of asparagus after we've picked it. And uh, again, do your soil tests. I know this last year we put on, I think, about 15 pounds of boron and about 170 pounds of potash per acre. And the way we apply it is just with peanut butter jars. I, I have a five-quart bucket of stuff and we just scoop it out with peanut butter jars. I figure out how much to shake onto each row and we just go up and down the rows and just shake it on there and that's what we put on the field. But again, do your soil tests and what you're comfortable with for fertilizer. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, this is the fun time of the year where you look out there and see it. And uh, we, when you do harvest, how many of you have ever done squats for exercises? They're, they're very good for you, and, but by the time you go down a 300-foot row of asparagus, maybe you've done uh, enough to fill a five-gallon pail solid with spears. You've done a lot of squats, so it's really great exercise, but it's tiring. <laughs> so this is a picture. I'm going to try to show this video of how we pick, and I want you to notice just a few things in our video. It's a little blurry, but it'll get better. We go out with a golf cart and pick up the, the asparagus right away. This particular day was a wet day, so I couldn't use my picker, so we're just picking into five-gallon pails. And this is a day also, it's a little muddy. I'm using knives that day. Sometimes if we're in a hurry, we just snap them off at ground level. Either way works. Some people have told me they're afraid of using knives because it, you can spread infection from one plant to another. I haven't found that to be a problem for us. But you'll see us picking and putting them into the uh, buckets and then the cart coming to, oh, let's see here. Yeah, there we go. Just cutting them off at ground level or even slightly below ground level. And the cart's coming out to get buckets so we can get them into water. You want to cool them as quick as you can, although this day was cold. We don't need to cool them too much. But that's kind of what, what it's like when we're picking out there in the field. Since then, <laughs> uh, we got an asparagus picker, and this is an interesting one. My neighbor built this for me. And we had the idea from something Luke Fisher was using, but it's a zero-turn lawnmower, and he just converted it into an asparagus picker. So instead of the hand controls, you'll see I've got, by my feet in the middle there, foot controls. I push one way or I push the other, and that steers the front wheels. And so really a pretty simple design, and we can stack the crates there. Each of us has a crate next to us on the arms, and so three of us can pick at a time. I usually like to pick with five of us, and two of them are walking along by the side, because the older I get, the less I like being a pretzel. And so by the time I'm cramped up like that, bending over, trying to reach between my legs here to cut asparagus, I feel like a pretzel. And so it feels good to get up and walk. And then after you've walked a couple rows, it feels kind of nice to sit. So <laughs> the variety just works out real well. So about five pickers for us works just real great. But that machine has been a wonderful help to us. Okay, then comes uh, processing. <clears throat> Got to catch up to my notes here.
Again, we cut it about 10 inches. That's what the stores like, although you can take them to stores. I've taken them as short as seven inches, but they prefer them a little longer. And what you'll see here is, uh, how are we doing on time? Let's see, 2.45. Maybe we're out of time. Are we out of, almost. I gotta hurry up here. We've got a PVC pipe. I think it was a six inch or, uh, PVC pipe. And I put an end on that. We cut it off. And so I just have a bowl, half, semi-round bowl and we've cut it so it's 10 inches long and I can lay asparagus shoots in there, spears, and cut them off so they're all 10 inches. Because efficiency is the word. You, you got to go fast. When you have, you know, the most we've probably picked is a thousand pounds in a day, but you, get, you really got to be moving to, to get this stuff through. You can't waste a lot of time. And beside her there's a crate, one for waste, one for product. We try to cut the ends nice and clean and straight across. That's the way that people like to have them. And that's kind of what that finished product looks like. One thing we bought uh, after about the third year was a bundler. What's a bundler? That's not a very good picture of it. My son Keith is in the picture there on the right. And that's our bundler. It's just uh, four little pegs at the top that hold a rubber band. You step on a pedal at the bottom and it spreads the rubber band apart. And then you just hold the asparagus bundle in there, a one pound bundle. I do weigh the bundles. And you let up on the uh, pedal and it bundles it for you. We put two uh, rubber bands for each bundle. And one thing I should have mentioned is you should expect about 60% of your harvest in the first half of the season and is the field gets more tired, 40% in the second half of the season. Just so you have something to gauge that by. And uh, we put it in 15 pound boxes. If you cool it, our cooler is not, I, I want to get a better cooler, uh, but mine isn't accurate enough, but they, what I read is that you should be able to store asparagus for three weeks at 36 degrees. That's not putting it in standing water because when you put it in standing water, you got to watch out for microbial infection after a while. It's going to be a problem. The water will get stagnant. And uh, let's see. Should be able to store it at 36 degrees for three weeks. But we, in our cooler, we never go over a week and I try to have it cleared out of there every three days. I want fresh stuff in the stores because I feel like our reputation's on the line each day. And so there I am bundling the, putting the boxes in bundles. That's kind of the fun job at the end. But I did want to talk a little bit about uh, whatever we're doing, I think the important thing is you always want to share Jesus with people. Why are we doing this if we don't have the chance to share Christ with others? when we have such good news. It's better news than just asparagus to eat. So this is our, our poster. It says, meet your farmers. People get excited about meeting their farmers. So uh, many people see that poster every day with Mary Beth, and, and we have that in each one of our stores where we sell. And you probably can't read it, but in the, up there it says, our priorities is uh, faith, family, and farm. Those are our focus. And uh, then down below it sends them to our website where we tell about the airplane crash. And we want to direct them towards our website where we, can have, we have spiritual information on there. And uh, so far I haven't had the stores turn me down with my, with my posters. So they have it right there in the store. So this is uh, what's on display in the store. It's best to store them on ice if they, if they can. So there we have our poster. And uh, again, I sell 15% on the farm, 15% to a food co-op, and the rest to the grocery stores. And I think that's it, except for the most important news. Uh, my new granddaughter, uh, January 1. Ida Grace, my son Keith had a little girl. 
That's grandchild number 18. Praise the Lord. So I will open it up to some questions. Okay, the question is, are we certified organic? No, we are not. I think it costs a lot. I've heard it's a hassle. And what we do on our poster there is we just say naturally grown. That's what we do there. Yes, Verna. A hot temperature. That's a good question. Uh, when it gets in the upper 80s, we're thinking of it as it's getting, it's going to grow fast. Even low 80s, it's going to grow faster. 70s, it's pretty consistent. And for us in May, that's a pretty expected temperature, 60s, 70s. But when we know it gets in the mid 80s, starts getting above that. When it's in 90s, it just goes nuts. It just grows so fast. So, another question. Yes. What, what kind? Purple. Oh, I do have one crown of purple asparagus in my field. I don't know how it got there. <laughs> Came in the shipment. Uh, but so, and I, they tell me the production is less, and it, it looks neat, but, you know, it just tastes okay, but like the other, you know, it's the best you have for production? Oh, neat. Okay. I, I haven't tried it, except for that one, one crown. <laughs> so that's the best producer. You can talk to, uh, I've forgotten your first name. Dan, Dan Hutton, yeah. So talk to Dan about the purple asparagus. Other questions? I think we're all about out of time, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, the question is, if, if it lasts so long, what if you get tired of it and want to plant something else there, I guess? And people have told me they plant companion crops with it, but I, I've never heard of that. Uh, and I guess I'm going to cross that bridge when I come to it. I, I don't know, when those roots are that big, I'm not sure how you can do it in. Yeah, maybe you have to spray it. I, I don't know. Anybody else know? So, anyway, because it's going to keep coming, and uh, you maybe you have to do it in somehow. Okay, you just went down each row with a single spear chisel? Oh, okay. So we had one person in our audience here who used a moldboard plow and then a kind of a chisel plow and kind of dug it up pretty well in it pretty much got it up. Okay, so that could be an answer for your question. Another question. I think we're about out of time. I did bring, if anybody wants to see these, I had the handouts. I also brought, I was going to give these out the other day. It's just an idea. If you want to see, this is brochures we make up for our chat. If you want to hand these out to anybody who raises their hand maybe or something, but uh, it's a brochure that we put together to advertise our asparagus or our strawberries, I should say, and it just gives you an idea of what you might have. It's just an idea, because we like to tell about mission projects. We have, I get about three or $400 a year in donations towards our mission projects, just from people who say, we see what you're doing, we like it. And for us, we give 20% of our profits to, to uh, the mission project, and they, they appreciate that. And we put that on our poster in the store. So they feel like when they're, uh, buying our asparagus, they can know that some of the money is going to do mission work in Africa. But it's just a little example you can look at and see if you like it and, and uh, duplicate any part of it that you like to use. 
Okay, one question in the back. Oh, you're just, okay, you're ready for those. Okay, well with that, you've been a good audience. Oh, did you have a question? Okay, so we had someone who planted sweet potatoes between the asparagus rows, and that worked out pretty well, because when they dug them up, they weeded the, the field. So, good idea. Now I've heard of it. I hadn't heard of it before, but uh, good idea. All right, I think with that, you've been a good audience Friday afternoon, and so let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, as we grow things, help us always to work to glorify your name. And help us to trust in you day by day as we face challenges. We still are amazed at the variety of foods that you grow from the ground, the same ground. Praise your name. Bless each one of these folks as they go back to their gardens, to their fields, and we work together to grow food until the time when Jesus comes back. Draw us close to Jesus. Help us to be ready for the Sabbath. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org